Welcome to the Marketing Tips for Doctors podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to attracting more patients ready to schedule their first appointments to grow your practice without spending hours and hours away from your practice or home. Hear how to boost your online presence, develop a strong rapport with each one to increase patient compliance while adding value and growing revenue. Now, here's your host, Dr. Barbara Hales, America's leading medical strategist. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors. I'm your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Today, we have with us Michael Athmer. He is multilingual with 35 years of international sales and marketing management experience. Born in Montreal, Canada, he lived in Paris, France, Copenhagen, Denmark, and The Hague, the Netherlands, and moved here in 2000. Starting an insurance agency and becoming sales manager for a Southeast employee management company, Michael then progressed to management, regional manager for human capital, and now sales manager for United Tech employee management. Michael is past president of Toastmasters and BNI, past master board of Big Brothers Big Sisters, Human Resource Association of PBC, Hispanic Chamber, Beyond Blind Institute, Leadership Palm Beach County, and past chairman of the board for the Hispanic Chamber. Michael currently serves as president of the Leadership Business Council and the Business Referral Club. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you. Wow. When you read out all that from my bio, then it's like, wow, did I do all that? <laughs> One of the first things that people listening are probably wondering is, like, why did you move around so much? What was your impetus for that? I mean, were you backpacking? Were you working and transferring? Why so many countries? It was actually it was my parents. My father was with the Dutch embassy, and he moved to uh, Canada to serve as the cultural or the uh, the agricultural attaché for uh, for the Netherlands. In Ottawa, that's where he started. And my mom had moved there a year earlier to work at the embassy as a secretary. And she became my dad's secretary, and they got married. So from there, they moved to uh, Washington, where my sister was born. They moved to uh, Ottawa or Montreal, where I was born. And then we moved minutes with the embassy, and we always get moved around. So then from uh, that's how we came from Canada. We went to Paris two and a half years, and then Copenhagen. And then he uh, stopped working for the embassy because he wanted us to go to school in Holland. He started working for the Department of Agriculture in Holland. How did being associated with the embassy in your own way uh, shape your life? Well, it gave me the, the chance of, uh, of traveling, obviously, and, and also be in, uh, in the diplomatic circles, which was interesting. So you meet very interesting people. Although I was fairly young because I came... Uh, when we went back to Holland, I was 10 years old or nine years old. So the traveling was really in my early, my early years. Of all the countries that I mentioned you moved to, not one of them is Hispanic. How did you wind up becoming chairman of the board for the Hispanic Chamber? Yeah, that's an interesting because I, I joined the chamber because I really enjoyed the um, family feel of the Hispanic Chamber and the Hispanics. They're all, I mean, warm and inviting people. So I was really attracted to that. So I joined the chamber, uh, but I didn't speak Spanish. Now, most of the 
people at the Hispanic Chamber or Hispanics, they speak English, so that made it easy. And I joined the board because I was excited about the uh, about the chamber. And then at some point, I was nominated as the chair of the board. I never got to, to really learn to speak good Spanish. But what was funny that when my uh, my acceptance speech as the chairman actually started in Spanish, I had rehearsed several sentences. And my because of I speak fairly, I speak five languages, so my feel for language is pretty good. So I really confused everybody in the room there because it sounded really Hispanic. And then after a couple of sentences, I said, you know, since not everybody speaks Spanish, let me just continue in English. <laughs> I, I imagine your fluency in French must have helped you a great deal. Yeah, and German too. And obviously Dutch, where I'm from, which is still my native language, and then English. So Danish is not... I don't speak that much Danish anymore. Most of that is gone. Well, mean? most people here don't either, so you're okay. <laughs> In looking over your business, um, could you tell listeners what is a PEO? Yes. A PEO is a professional employer organization, also known as employee leasing company. So what that is, it's a company that, that takes care of your employee administration. So. You can go to a PEO or employee leasing company and they take care of your payroll, your workers' comp, your benefits, and your HR. It's like a one-stop shop. And that started probably about 30 years, 35 years ago, the payroll companies started. And about 10 years later, people were wondering, okay, so maybe we can get some more services done. So that's when the PEO was born. And they added the services, they added the workers' comp and the benefits. So really a a one-stop shop made it really easy. Well, that's helpful for people who have a uh, small practice or a small business and they really don't want to get into the minutiae of uh, payroll for their staff. Yeah. So why do you think our listeners should outsource their employee administration? Well, most people that start a business, they are passionate about what they do, what their business does, the service they provide or the, the product that they sell. And they really don't want to be distracted by employee administration, which most of these administrative tasks are costing money and are not producing any revenue. So if you can get rid of that, if you can outsource that part and just focus on growing your business and making money and provide your service, that is something that is more enjoyable and more efficient if you just do that. So some people are hesitant to outsource because they're like, okay, I want to, I don't want to lose control, but that's really a misconception. When you outsource those services, you don't really lose control. You just lose a headache. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's really, you still do your business. It's still your business. You decide what you do and you tell us what to pay your employees. There's really no control issue there. It's, that's really a misconception. That's why I don't really use the term employee leasing and rather use the term PEO. Because employee leasing would suggest that if you lease a car, that you lease an employee. So it's not your, um, so, and, and that a lot of times we are confused with staffing companies, which we are not. Mm-hmm. So really where that came from is that if you have, say you have 10 employees and we come in and do your employee administration, we take over your employees and lease them back to you. What does that mean? That means that we are the employer of record and you are the worksite employer. So according to the state, we are the employer, and according, but you're still the worksite employer. You still tell the employees what to do. You run your company, so it's only administrative. So it sounds scary, but it's really 
comes down to just us doing the employee administration. And uh, we do that under our federal ID number. That's the other thing. So it makes it very easy for your employee administration because we take care of your payroll taxes because it's on our federal ID number. We take care of your unemployment. We take care of your workers' comp claims. So we really handle everything for you when it comes to your employees and the employee administration. And you, as a, as a company, you only have one line item every week or every two weeks, whatever your payroll cycle is, if it's weekly or biweekly or Sunday monthly or monthly. You just have one line item, which is payroll, which includes everything. So you don't have to worry about the taxes. You're never late with your taxes because we do that for you. So it's, it really makes it easy, and it really takes a burden off your back as an employer not to have to deal with that. So what happens if an employee claims, you know, unemployment insurance? Uh, so technically, since they're your employees, mm-hmm. you're the one that ha- that's responsible for the unemployment payment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you bill the employer or place where they're working for that. I mean, how, how does that work? Well, we handle the unemployment claim. So we fight the claim for you. but there's still the co-employer relationship because the company is still the worksite employer. Um, so it's still somebody that's registered through their company. So the employment, unemployment will still affect them, even though we fight it for them. They're still responsible because, I mean, we, we are the intermediary. We do it for them. But, I mean, any cost related to that would still go to the company. So if someone who was an employee was in this relationship with you, and they were no longer working for the person that has a contract with you. Mm-hmm. Do they come to you and say, well, since technically I'm working for you, do you place them elsewhere? Uh, no, that's where, so we're not, and that's a lot of times the confusing part. So we're not a staffing company. So we really only do employee administration for our clients. So if, uh, if somebody no longer works for, our client, then they don't work for us anymore either. Mm-hmm. So we're not, I mean, we help our clients uh, if they have staffing needs because we are connected with several staffing companies. So we could help an employee too, but first and foremost, we work for the employer, mm-hmm. not for the employee. Yeah. Well, this relationship is something that is, uh, you know, like very new for me. I, I had actually never heard it before. So, you know, I'm sure. A lot of other people haven't heard of it before. Is this a common occurrence now? Yes, it's a more and more people, I mean, discover the ease of the, of the PEO um, to really have somebody take care of all that for them. Uh, you see that more in many, in many areas, uh, people outsource their HR and they outsource their, the payroll was always already outsourced in most cases, although I still run into cases where People still write checks, which is really surprising. I mean, bigger companies too that still write their checks every week. But it's uh, it's become more common and more accepted to just outsource your employee administration. I don't have to deal with that. What is the advantage of that over having all of your employees as self-employed contractors where they take care of their own taxes? Yeah, so you mean that, uh, that like the 1099 situation? Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a lot of misconception there, and a lot of things have changed in regards to that, where people said, um, well, we just make them a 1099, so we don't have to worry about the taxes. 
and they can still work for us. Well, the IRS came out with a list of 10 questions. And any of these questions in regards to your 1099 employee, if you have, if you answer any of these questions, yes, then your 1099 is really a W-2. What are the 10 questions? Well, a lot of them have to do with direction. So if, if an employer tells you what to do, what time to arrive at your work, and what materials to use, I mean, every, it's really tell them exactly what to do, then it's really not a 1099. A 1099 is an independent that you tell them, okay, I need this job done, and then they do it however they see, but they don't need to get any direction from the employer. And also, if they don't do something wrong or they do, I mean, they can be fired at 1099. I mean, they can just, and they can leave at any time. So there's really no contract per se that you have an employer employee relationship. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people do it because it's easy. Now, some 1099s want to be 1099 because they don't want to be an employee. Uh, but there's uh, a lot of changes. The other change that happened uh, that they added as far as the for, for 1099 or the difference is um, the uh, economic reality check that they do now is that if as a 1099, you make more than 50% of your income from one source, mm-hmm. you're considered the W-2 for that source. I see. That depended the whole home care industry because the home health industry mm-hmm. was all really based on 1099s. There were registries where they had hundreds of 1099s registered and they would send them out to different home care companies. Now, what happened was that if if those employees, say out of the 500, there was 300 employees that worked really primarily for one home care company, mm-hmm. and more than, then they were considered the W-2. So the consequence now for the uh, for the employers was that they have now more than 50 employees that are employees and not 1099s. And as an employer, uh, you have to offer health insurance, for example, if you have more than 50 employees. If you don't offer that, then there's a $2,000 penalty per employee. Ouch. And you have to pay payroll taxes and you didn't have workers' comp. So a lot of things are now, the picture completely changes if you have, instead of 500 1099s, now you get 300 W-2s. So that changed the whole dynamic there. So a lot of registries closed and became actually employers and W-2 employees, which was not a bad thing. No, well, if for no other reason, having a contract with the employees eliminates the situation where you have trained these people to work for you and underneath you. And um, after spending all of the time cultivating the relationship, you know, if you want them to stick around. You don't want to have a constant revolving door in your office. So if our listeners would like to get a list from you or speak to you more about the employee leasing situation, mm-hmm. um, how can they reach you? They can reach you uh, by phone, 561-644-8315. Or they can email me at uh, matchmer at United Tech. Employee management, or sorry, unitedtechpeo.com, or they can go to our website, unitedtechpeo.com, to get more more information. One thing that you mentioned is with regards to uh, how to keep employees. Of course, there's if you don't want to lose your employee, you've got to offer benefits. So there's a whole range of benefits that come with the relationship with the PEO as well. So we can offer group health insurance, or we can offer 401k, we can offer supplemental insurance. So there's a lot of benefits that come with a PO as well, where if you're a smaller company, you might not be able to get the rates that we get. Or if you have only a couple people that are interested, 
Uh, with us, there is no minimum. So for group health insurance, there is. You have to have at least four people. But for supplemental, if there's only one person in your company that wants it, then we can we can get them set up with that. So it has no, a that's a definite benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Before we finish our conversation today, which was really very enlightening, is there anything that you would like to leave the listeners with? I would say there are so many things that can come at you and the administration is not getting any, any easier. Uh, so why continue with the headache and the burden? Why don't you just take a look at, uh, at employee leasing or PEO and just see how much that, uh, that would cost you and you'll be surprised. It can be a really big benefit at a very reasonable cost that will make it a lot easier for you to do your work without being distracted by all these um, employee-related administrative issues. Why, indeed. <laughs> well, this has been another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors with your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Thank you very much for being with us today, Michael Atmer. And well, thanks for having me. For listeners, until next time. Thanks for listening to Marketing Tips for Doctors. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Press the subscribe button so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about the show. Join us on marketingtipsfordoctors.com for replays and more resources to help grow your practice, strengthen your brand, and dominate your field. Remember, you are one tweet from greatness. Greatness.